SMS SAFM now on 41391. Late Night Conversations with Patricia Anduli, Monday to Thursday, 10 p.m. till midnight. We are on 104 to 107 nationwide and on DSTV channel 814. A-teamers, we still continue with late night conversations. Let me remind you, right now we're going to be talking um, about online learning or online schooling and uh, the various options that are available to us as South Africans. The and then I had 11 o'clock, Zulega Kodashe comes in with the final news bulletin. And after that, it's Closet Conversations with Dr. Tabanin Kwanyana. The number that you can dial to interact with me is, and our A-team guest is on 0891-104-207. Alternatively, 011-714-4045. You can also SMS on 41391. SMSs are charged at 1 rand 50. Alternatively, WhatsApp on 0614104107. A team guest is already waiting for us, a principal of Evolve Online School, Colin Northmore. Colin, thank you so very much for joining us this evening. How are you? I'm very well. Good evening, Patricia, and to your listeners. Thank you so much for this opportunity. Now, we are aware since the lockdown, the, 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 the thought of us having education under the 4IR, um, you know, dispensation is no longer a thought. It's an actual reality. A lot of parents and even students are opting for online learning because it's safer and you're not so exposed. But sure, the options are too many out there, Colin, and sometimes it is a bit difficult for us to know which to trust and which not to trust. As a principal of an online school yourself, what are some of the things that we need to consider um, when it comes to uh, choosing the correct online learning system and school for your child? Patricia, thank you. I think that uh, one of the things that we've all had to experience during lockdown is uh, trying to grapple with this issue of, of coping with our children learning from home. And I think that what the listeners and, and, and yourself possibly may have experienced is that Learning online is not for every child. Um, and so the first consideration I would ask parents to, to, to give attention to is what, what sort of experience did your child have of uh, learning at home and learning in a very different space from a normal school? In, in our experience, children, there, there are many children who have just flourished in these contexts and, and discovered that not being under pressure to do everything at the same time as the rest of their peers and to have extra time and be able to focus on the things that they want to focus on has just opened up a whole new vista to them. But there are other children who've, who've really struggled to stay focused and struggled to stay um, on track. And so, so both in terms of your own children, but also in terms of the online schools that you want to look at, you need to look at what mechanisms those schools will put in place to either guide your child into creating the sort of home structure they need to succeed or, um, you know, guide you as a parent to assist your child in that context. And, and if you really feel that those resources, that kind of opportunity is not going to suit your child, then, then stick, with, stick with mainstream. Mm. Now, in, in terms of uh, vetting which school would do best, how does a parent start that? I mean, we've assessed the child and we, we know whether the child is keen or the ability um, permits them to do online schooling. But then how do we have it with all the options that we have? 
I think that uh, there's there's a couple of key words you can you can use to try and uh, ferret out whether or not uh, the people behind an online school have really done their homework and know what they're talking about. And the first is these, this question of what's called synchronous and asynchronous learning, and and these you know. Uh, teachers also think up words like lawyers to confuse people. So <laughs> I'll unpack that for you. You know, synchronous means everybody learns at the same time, at the same pace. Um, so that's what you would typically find in most classrooms. Is the teacher's got a curriculum to get through. Everybody's learning the same thing at the same time, uh, following the same program. Asynchronous learning is when a child learns at their own pace, in their own time. Now, the different schools try to balance um, synchronous and asynchronous learning. But a true online school is not going to try and just take what happens in a day school and replicate that online. And that's what you would have found with many schools that have tried to deliver um, online alternatives during lockdown. Is they've, they've tried to just replicate. They've literally taken the timetable from a day school and tried to put that online and, and make it happen online. So you want to hear from a a, a provider of online schooling, what sort of thought they've given to how much time children will spend in direct contact with others and how much time they are required to spend on their own. Um, and I would, I would argue that a school that knows its, knows its stuff would be able to give you a good explanation as to the proportions that they've decided on in that regard. I think another critical question you would have to ask the parent is what what thought has been given to the social-emotional development of your children, even though they um, are online? In a, day li- in a day school, there's lots of nonverbal cues. There's lots of uh, interactions between teachers and students and, and the students themselves that, that feed into a child's social-emotional development. Obviously, you can't get that as easily on an online school. And again, an online school with its salt has a theory of how you create these moments of meaningful uh, community, moments of meaningful contact between the students and between the students and their teachers. So that's a very good question to ask uh, an online uh, provider. You know, just explain how you're going to build the social-emotional development of our children. I also think that if you're thinking about an online school, it's a bit like homeschooling. You, You don't want the traditional. So you want to know how is the school deviating from the norm? What what makes their curriculum different and special from what could be found in a in a brick and mortar school? Because if they're just trying to do the same thing, um, they haven't really given thought to taking advantage of the online medium. At, mm. at Evolve, for example, we really. Uh, working very hard to make sure every little bit of data that, that we can gather about children goes into our data lake so that we can, we can find ways to maximize and, and, and make learning much more efficient for each child. So we, you know, as the data builds, you'd be able to say to a kid, I noticed that when you try and do your reading in the afternoon, you don't seem to get through as much of it as when you do it in the morning. You know, because that's what the data is telling us. Or when you attempt uh, mathematics sums in the morning, you make more mistakes than what you do when you when you do those sums in the afternoon. So a good online offering is going to have a solid uh, analytical engine running in the back end, um, making sure that it highlights when children are falling behind or or not staying on topic. I, I should really let you get a question in Edgeways, Patricia. <laughs> 
as you can hear, I'm quite passionate about this, so I could go on forever. It is very clear that you're passionate, and it's good that you're passionate about the online schooling. It's a new thing for most of us. You're a principal of an online school, and that gives confidence. Um, you know, I'd like to... Um, ask the A-teamers to also ask their questions. Perhaps you're a parent and uh, you're contemplating online schooling. What are some of the questions that you have? We've got um, a principal of Evolve Online School who is Colin Northmer and he can answer your questions or you've had the experience. Let us know how it has been treating your child and you uh, while doing the online learning. The number to dial is 891 You can also WhatsApp 614 SMS 4139 one. Now, uh, Colin, you know, there's there's one thing that I always worry about. And during this lockdown time, I must be honest, I really, really saw the importance of educators. I saw the, the, the beauty in being an educator. I, I got humbled by having to teach my own children or help them with the work that was given to us uh, by the school. The pressure that is laid on parents during online learning? How much is it? And how much should we consider that pressure when choosing an online school? So again, you know, for a, for a brief moment in time, we were superheroes as teachers. Um, and I really have to just echo what you're saying. You know, I watched teachers go from having been never uh, online to discovering how to do online in two weeks and then when we went back to school, you know, they've, they've discovered a third system of hybrid teaching for the kids that are both home and at school. And I've never quite uh, experienced the, the, the awe that one feels for the flexibility and the ability of people in the back, background usually uh, to be able to make those kinds of rapid adjustments. But, but having said that, I think that uh, an, an on, online school relies on its teachers just as heavily as what a... Uh, brick and mortar school does. The the authors uh, Fullen and Hargreaves once said that the quality of a country's education system can never exceed the quality of its teachers. Um, and I really uh, do believe that's true. So the trick I think behind uh, getting online schooling right is to focus the teachers uh, very very carefully on where they can make the biggest difference in children's learning. Um, I, I mentioned earlier, you know, those moments of genuine connection are important, but also uh, by picking from the data and seeing where children need support rather than trying to do the sort of scattershot, one-size-fits-all type of approach to trying to solve educational problems. Um, I also know that the research shows that the younger the child is, the more they rely on an adult to help them when they're learning at home. So it, it sh- you shouldn't be experiencing a teenager or a child over the age of 10 needing massive support in their online learning if the system that has been set up for the online learning is well well designed. Um, and what we do with uh, the Foundation Phase in Evolve or what we will be doing next year with the Foundation Phase in Evolve is we have the subject called Digital Mastery and the whole purpose behind that subject is to give the children the skills they need to become more and more independent in using the technologies um, to to learn uh, online. So maybe they they would need that kind of support um, for for their from their parents at the beginning. But if we're doing our job properly, you should be supervising your child less and less, and they should become more and more independent in their learning. 
I love the fact that with the foundation phase, we are going to be curating boxes of, of activities to the families every month. Um, and in that box, we intend to have the game of learning. So part of the trick, I think, is to make sure that your user experience is designed to delight, designed to engage your child so that your child is actually excited in the morning when they get up and today's my day for playing the game of learning again. Um, as opposed to, um, you know, being a real drudge and, and a fight with your child and now you've got to log on, why haven't you logged on? You don't want to have that kind of situation. Um, if that's what's happening, then the online school isn't getting, getting the user experience right. Let's uh, go to our A-teamers and hear what they have to say about online schooling. Yeah, it's in Kalaga again in Deben. Uh, firstly, I want to say uh, uh, I don't agree with uh, online learning, especially in the foundation phase, because uh, jumping, touching, playing around with things, of the kids, it's part of uh, uh, the learning process, and uh, online learning deprives the kids the feel and touch of that, and as a result, the child is unable to grow uh, quicker, develop developmentally, uh, as opposed to uh, 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 the normal contact learning. Then the second point uh, is that do to, to to those. Uh, schools which are offering online learning uh, need to have a, 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 an accreditation or license of some sort because uh, I can imagine that there are lots of uh, charlatans uh, out there who are now thinking how to make money out of this. I, I, I will listen uh, to the answer on the radio. Thank you very much, Ngalanga. Colin, um, let's answer the last question um, that uh, um, Galanga has made with regards to the accreditation of these online schools and how do, we, how do we vet them? How do we make sure that this is actually accurate if there isn't a sort of way to uh, check? I think those questions were both excellent questions. Um, to start with the second question, uh, it's a very unregulated area uh, in our country's uh, education laws. Um, so there, are, there aren't really um, regulations that relate to the registration of online schools. And to some extent, it falls into the same category of, as home schools, um, because the only um, sort of statutory um, provisions that are in place is that uh, you need to register your child as a homeschooler with the Department of Education. So from that perspective, it's very, very difficult to, to, to vet um, whether or not a home, an online school is um, legitimate or not. Um, I, I would say, you know, there's some key questions you can ask in that regard. First of all, what curriculum are they following? You know, is there, a, is there an accredited and recognized curriculum that they're following? So, for example, a school following, um, uh, you know, planning to deliver its matric exams through the IEB or uh, through the Cambridge or IB systems are much more likely to be high-quality schools than a school that, that doesn't or can't answer the question of how um, it's going to deliver on matric. I would also be careful of a school that doesn't go all the way to matric. I mean, I know that Evolve is only going as far as grade 9 next year, but that's because we're taking it one step at a time, and it's our intention to have our matrics in place uh, in the next two or three years. 
So we are planning to take our kids up to matric. A school that stops below the sort of FET phase, there's not really systems in place to hold them accountable. Um, so you really want a school that goes all the way through to matric in order to have some hope that there is oversight of that school. Because when you offer matric, all kinds of regulations kick in around the quality of that matric and the registration of children to write matric, which, which can be avoided by schools that are trying to you know, as as your as your listener said, be charlatans in this space. Um, the other thing to look at is, you know, what sort of infrastructure is there behind the the organisation? Do some some research on who the founders are. Do they are they are they people that you will find on LinkedIn or or if you Google the the, the principal or if you do something like that? What sort of return do you get? Uh, you know, is this a person who's spoken at conferences? Is this a person who has uh, some sort of a reputation in the educational sector? Um, that, that's, a, that's a quick way for a parent to just get a feel for is there substance to this thing? And then the other thing I would suggest parents do very, very uh, carefully is make sure they don't get tied into uh, long-term contracts up front. You know, if a school trusts its systems, if a school trusts its ability and its user design, it's going to say to you, look, you know, if if it's not working for you, it's not. Working. It's like if you 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 would be purchasing. You, you're the you're the buyer. You have the power. It's your money, you know, and you should be able to see the quality in the way in which your child grows and develops along the way. And if I may quickly just re- reference the first question yes, that was asked, definitely, I do agree. That physical activity is critical. One of the things we're doing is we're insisting on the use of iPads from grade R to grade 6. And we're insisting on, uh, you know, using a mobile device management system to control those iPads because we literally want to be able to switch them off. Um, We want there to be a good balance between green time and screen time. Um, And that may sound counterintuitive for an online school, but a, a good online school that is delivering foundation phase um, and some of them don't. Some of them don't even try to tackle foundation phase. They, they will, if they do offer foundation phase, all they really do is curate materials to the parent and say, pretty much good luck. Um, uh, you know, what we're trying to do is make sure that the, the physical activities, the gross motor and fine motor coordination skills that children need to develop are also part of the learning program. I'll give you a silly example. We have these fantastic um, high-density foam dice that can have different cards slotted into the six sides. And each month we give a different set of cards, and the the game that the children play with that is they throw the cards and there will be some sort of uh, physical activity they have to do depending on which side uh, shows up. And at some point, uh, you know, our kids have life coaches, and part of the job of the life coach is to say, right, we're going to go and, uh, you know, put your cameras on, let's all do the silly dance or whatever it is. So there there are ways. For online schools to give attention to that sort of physical activity. The other thing that an online school should be doing is giving attention to the interaction between children. You know, I hate the word group work, and I'm sure you as a parent, have, uh, Patricia, you've experienced this, you know. Group work, my definition of group work is the group watching someone work. Um, <laughs> totally agree. And, you know, and one of the most well-researched aspects of, of group work is the fact that there is a... Um, uneven contribution to the work usually within a group. 
And the counter to that is to actually teach children collaboration skills. Don't do group work, do collaborative learning. And and that's in your design as well. So if you're saying, you know, I'm not asking all the kids in a group to do the same thing, and then present an, uh, a, you know, a, a project of some sort. Each child specializes, and it's the combination of those specializations that lead to the delivery of work. But they depend on one another. They've got to learn how to um, critique one another, how to listen, how to give feedback, how to stick to timelines. There are all sorts of core skills that you teach when you want children to learn collaboratively. And most schools ignore those skills and simply give the kids a task to do, to do and expect them to figure that out themselves. Now, let me uh, talk, um, go here to uh, our A-team. He says, um, while the fourth industrial revolution is evolving as fast at a fast pace, no one can replace face-to-face education or the traditional talk and chalk. The latter shall evolve as well. We are social beings. Now, as we close off, um, Colin, let, let's talk about the cost. Data cost, you talk about iPads, which are, 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 are pricier than an ordinary tablet, and also mm. the fees of online learning. I, I don't think, yeah, I, I agree with what you're saying about the tablets, but um, one thing that I've experienced, uh, the, the, I used to run a school called Sacred Art College, and we were the first school in South Africa to use tablets. Um, and you know, the, the point, uh, I, when I, 16 years after, well, 10 years after tablets came out, um, I, I, I still was using iPad 1s in my school. Um, and that was because, and the reason why we insist on, on that particular expense is because it may be the expense up front, but the durability of that device compared to other devices that are cheaper, the ability for that device, I could literally be pretty certain that a kid who gets an iPad in grade one or grade two, grade R, will still be using that same iPad or could still be using that same iPad by the time they get to grade six. So you have to you have to think about it a little bit like investing in a motor car or investing in a in a in a in a long term capital item and divide the cost of that thing. So it's very expensive up front, but actually over time it's a lot cheaper than buying cheaper uh, devices. And in terms um, of and data then, and school fees, uh, uh, we need to hurry it up yes. because I need to go to the news sorry, now. Sorry. Yeah. Quickly, the, the, the data, you need a school to think about that and to be data light. So we've got all kinds of features to make our product data light. And then in terms of price, you know, our prices range from 20,000 to 29,000 rand. These are not break the bank prices. It's less than a thousand rand a month. Uh, not less than, sorry, less than 2,000 rand a month. Um, in most cases, over 10 months. So, so they're not impossible prices. They're much more accessible. But that's not true of all online schools. You know, many online schools are charging a lot more than that. Um, and that's just a, a greater, I guess, bad design or greater profit incentive. Mm. Thank you for educating us, Colin. Uh, it's been really a great pleasure. As a parent, I think it's been informative for me, and I'm sure the A-team has uh, found it informative as well. I'm so glad to have had the opportunity. Thank you very much, and to your listeners. Let's go to Zolega Kodasha with a beautiful voice. And this is the final news bulletin. Hey, Zolega.